The late, great pastor Adrian Rogers once said there are three kinds of people, those who are afraid, those who don't know enough to be afraid, and those who know their Bible. God's Word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. All Scripture is useful, it's profitable, it's inspired by God. Uh, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness so that each one of us will be equipped, ready, and able to do all that God has prepared for us to do. For everything that was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and the encouragement from the Scriptures. God's Word is full of His blessings for us, the best thing, the wisest thing, the most practical thing, the most powerful thing, the most encouraging thing we can do is open his word, study his word, obey his word, and share his word with those he places around us. And we're going to continue doing that together this morning. Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. We are continuing in our sermon series titled Fit Faith. We are looking and identifying these godly spiritual disciplines that will help us to get in shape and stay in shape spiritually. Now, I want to just start and just share four quick points about spiritual fitness that will continue to guide us as we make our way through this series. Four points about spiritual fitness. The first is spiritual fitness is from God. We can't make ourselves spiritually fit. Therefore, my message to you will never be, be better, do more, try harder. As if you and I, if we'll just be better, do more, try harder, have more faith, everything will work out for us just the way we want it to. That's called preaching malpractice. The reason is these statements send the message that the answer for us is us. And we know. That's not the case. Spiritual fitness is a supernatural work. God is the one who makes our faith fit. Paul told us, for it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. God gives us the desire and the strength to live his way. Paul also said, I am sure of this, that he who started the good work in you will carry it on the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This tells you and me today, God will not get impatient with us. God will not turn away from us. God will not throw in the towel on us. God will not give up on us. God will continue his work in us until his work in us is complete. I don't know about you, but that is an amazingly encouraging truth for me today and every day, and I'm sure it is for you as well. Spiritual fitness is from God. Second point is spiritual fitness involves us. We have a part to play in our spiritual fitness, and really it's a three-part role that we have. First, you and I must surrender to God. God is the one who is at work in us. We just finished singing about this. God is the one at work in us, and he knows what he's doing. So we need to get out of his way so that he can have his way in us, through us, for us, and around us on a daily basis. We humble ourselves before God. We trust God. We lean on God. We look to God. We rely on God. We rest in God. You and I must surrender to God. Second, you and I must spend time with God. Jesus told us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
That word remain means to stay. It means to hang around. It means to spend time with. We spend time with God in his word, in prayer, in worship as we are now, in fellowship with one another, in service. And as we spend time with God corporately together, as we do now and in our life teams and other groups, we are able to also, in our individual time with the Father, as we spend time with him, we are able to confess our sins to him. We look to God for his direction, his strength, his wisdom. We're able to pray and ask God for his will to be done in us, in our lives, in all our relationships as it is in heaven. We surrender to God on a day-by-day basis. We spend time with him. And then the third part of our role is we walk in obedience to God. We demonstrate our faith in God by our obedience to God day by day. We do what God says, when God says, the way God says, in God's strength for God's glory. And so we see spiritual fitness is from God, but spiritual fitness involves us. A third point is spiritual fitness comes through resistance. This is a key point for us to remember. We gain physical strength by lifting weights. The resistance offered to us by the weights and machines that we push and we pull and we lift makes us physically stronger. We gain spiritual strength by faith through trials. God sends trials your way and my way to build our faith muscles. God's purpose in our lives is to make us mature and complete in our faith in him. And so as we continue day by day to demonstrate our faith in God by our obedience to God through the trials that we are walking in and through from God... Our spiritual fitness, our spiritual strength and wisdom continues to increase moment by moment, step by step. And the fourth reality is spiritual fitness blesses us and others. Paul told us in 1 Timothy verse, chapter 4, verse 8, For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and the life that is to come. As we get spiritually fit, as we grow in godliness, God blesses us in every way, and then we are able and empowered to bless those he places around us. As you remember, as followers of Jesus, we are ministers for Jesus. Therefore, we know these godly spiritual disciplines that we're looking at will help us also help others in our congregations to get in shape and stay in shape spiritually. And so as we get into Acts chapter 2, we let me just really quick share what's going on. Peter, uh, as we continue from last Sunday, Peter has finished his sermon, that very first sermon there, in Jerusalem. As the church is born in Jerusalem, Peter has finished his first sermon. And the topic of his first sermon was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and how that opened the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. So Peter had just finished preaching this sermon that you see all through Acts chapter 2. And so as he finishes this sermon, we're going to pick up in verse 37. 
when they heard this, this meaning his sermon, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? So many people who were there in Jerusalem listening to Peter's sermon, as he preached the sermon and as he finished the sermon, they were convicted by God's Holy Spirit of their sin against God, their separation from God. They were convicted about their part in the crucifixion of Jesus. God opened their eyes spiritually by his Holy Spirit through the teaching of his word, the good news of the gospel. And so many of these people hearing this, they communicated back to Peter and they asked one of the greatest softball questions that we see in scripture. I mean, it's one of the greatest questions ever. I know it's a question that you and I would love to receive on a weekly basis. Brothers, what must we do in response to the gospel that has just been shared. Brothers, what must we do to be saved? What a question. Verse 38, look at what Peter said. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now look, Peter's response was to the point. It was concise, it was clear, it was right to the point. Peter told them, repent. Repent is an aorist active imperative. That means it's a command with urgency. It means do this now. Don't wait another moment. So he said, repent, which means change your mind. Think differently. Repent is a change of mind that leads to a change a behavior. What Peter was saying was repent means that we are so broken by our sin against God that we repent, that we turn from our lives and living our lives the way we want to live, and we turn to God, we confess our sins to God, we believe in Jesus Christ, and we place our faith and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. Repentance and faith are traveling companions. They travel together, repentance and faith. So Peter said, repent. In other words, place your faith in Jesus. Brothers, what must we do in order to be saved? Well, you need to repent. You need to Receive God's gift of salvation. You need to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation. And then he said, and be baptized. Be baptized is an aorist passive imperative. That means it's a command with urgency. Do this now. Don't wait another moment. Baptism, being baptized, that word baptized means dunk, immerse, submerge. Dunk, immerse, submerge. Baptism signifies our sins have been washed away. Baptism signifies we are new in Christ Jesus. Notice from the scripture, baptism was and is still today supposed to be soon after. Say after. Say it again. Soon after salvation, because it is an important initial step of obedience to God once we have placed our 
faith in God by God's grace through our response of faith in Jesus. Baptism literally is the outward expression of our inward repentance and faith in Jesus. Baptism is the way we let everyone know we're followers of Jesus, which is exactly what Kaylee just did a few moments ago. She walked in the Word. She placed her faith in Jesus. She was baptized soon after. She demonstrated everything that Peter was talking about that we've just mentioned in regards to baptism. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And the name of Jesus affirms Jesus is not just our Savior, he's our Lord. And the name of Jesus affirms our identification with Jesus in baptism is our identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Baptized a lot of folks, and to date, everybody I've taken under the water, I'm batting 100%. I brought them up out of the water. I've never kept anybody under the water. Though parents have asked me, keep them there longer. So why? Why did Kobe bring Kaylee up out of the water? Because Jesus rose again. He's alive. He's alive. And we are as well. So baptism also affirms that our forgiveness of sin is by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. Baptism affirms his authority over us. And this is what Peter was saying. Peter also affirmed that the Holy Spirit dwells in us at the moment of salvation. As he continued, we pick up in verse 39. He said, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. The promise, God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for all God saves. That's what he's saying. And he continues in verse 40. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them. Look at that. Strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Place your faith in Jesus. So those who, watch this, accepted his message. Past tense. Those who accepted his message. Those who trusted the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for their salvation. Those who placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Past tense. Those who accepted his message were then, secondly, their step of obedience, were baptized. In the name of Jesus. And that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. God's power was on display in this church, in the lives of these people, and their families, and their ministries, for all to see. These folks who were part of this first church in Jerusalem, they had a fit faith. They were growing in spiritual fitness. And so what we can do this morning is now, this is the foundation from when where we move forward and start to identify the disciplines, because now he starts to share the disciplines with us, we can identify these godly spiritual disciplines that help us get in shape and stay in shape spiritually. So we see the first discipline this morning is be biblical. Be biblical. It's right here in verse 42. He continued, Luke wrote, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Say that with me out loud. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. These believers devoted themselves. That means they were committed to the apostles' teaching. They listened daily. They listened intently. They listened 
persistently to the apostles' teaching. The apostles were teaching the truth of God's word. The apostles were teaching the good news of the gospel. The apostles were teaching everything that Jesus had commanded them to do. The apostles were teaching basic the, Beth, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And God's grace that allows us to receive his gift of salvation. And so we see the apostles, we're, they were empowered by the teacher. As they taught, they were empowered by the teacher, the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit empowered the apostles to teach God's word. The Holy Spirit empowered the members, the believers, the followers of Jesus to hear, understand, and obey God's word. What was going on here in this church in Jerusalem is the same thing that's going on here in our church. These believers were learning about Jesus, living for Jesus, and loving like Jesus. And that's exactly what we're doing. And therefore, it's vitally important for us to understand these disciplines so that we can practice these disciplines so that we can continue learning about Jesus, living for Jesus, and loving others like Jesus, so that we can continue to grow in our spiritual fitness, so that we can make sure by the power of God alive and at work in us that we are doing our part, God most certainly will do his part to ensure that our faith remains fit so that we can do all that he calls and desires us to do. So let's answer a quick question. Why is it important to be biblical? Why is it important for you and I to be biblical? A couple of quick answers. The first is God said so. That's a great place to start, amen? God said it, that settles it. Pretty much the answer to every question we start with in regards to God's plan for our lives. God said it. He said so. The Lord told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Move to the New Testament. Jesus told his disciples, his followers, which includes us today, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. But it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. However, everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the wind blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. The point is simply this. The wise follower of Jesus Christ, no matter our age or stage in life, the wise follower of Jesus Christ, whether it's a child, a teenager, an adult, the wise follower of Jesus Christ knows, trusts, and obeys the truth of God's word by God's power at work in them. They know the word of God. They, they trust it and they obey it. We see this throughout the scripture. Jesus Shortly before he ascended into heaven, he commanded his apostles, his followers, and us today, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We are to teach others to 
obey everything that Jesus has commanded us in his word. That means we need to help others to know God's word so that they can obey God's word, which means we must know God's word and obey God's word so that we can help others know and obey God's word. So it's vitally important for us to be biblical for our own good so that we can be prosperous and successful in whatever God calls us to do. So that we can make sure that our lives are built on the firm foundation of God's word. So that we're able to help those that God places around us. So vitally important for us to be biblical. This is why God said so. He has plans for you and me. And his plans include a priority on the truth of his word for us personally, but then it's also to go through us to all those he places around us. A second reason why being biblical is so important is because scripture is best for us. Scripture is best for you and it's best for me. Listen, God knows us best and he knows what's best for us. We tell our kids this all the time. We know our kids and we tell them, we know what's best for you and they argue and fight, and then they get older, and they come back, and they said, you know what, you were right, and that's a great day when that happens, but even when it's not happening, do we stop? No, we continue to guide and direct them, and to lead them in what is right, because we know them best, and we know what is best for them. God, our Heavenly Father, knows us best, and he knows what is best for us. Does he stop his work when we turn away from him and sin, when we get so busy we don't include him in our days? Does he stop his work in us when we get frustrated because of this trial that we're dealing with, this challenge that we're dealing with, this individual that is driving us crazy and nothing is changing? Does God stop his work? No. He doesn't stop his work because his work in us is best. He loves us. And he continues his work in us. He continues to draw us closer and closer to him. Doctrine, the truths of Scripture, the word of God, is best for us. A steady diet of the word of God is so vitally important for you and me. Scripture plays a key role in the different phases of our lives. We know first, Scripture plays a key role in our salvation. Scripture plays a very key role. You can think back to when you came to faith in Christ. I'm sure in some way, in a large way, the truths of Scripture played a key role in your decision to respond to God's grace as he was working in your life through the truths of Scripture and through, no, without question, loved ones around you, friends or family members or pastors or whatever the case may be, as he drew you into a relationship with him. Paul talked to Timothy about this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15. This is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, but as for you, continue what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, that was reference to Timothy's mother and grandmother who taught him the word. And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation. 
the sacred scriptures, God's word, gives us wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So we know scripture plays a key role in our salvation. Scripture helps us. Scripture gives us the wisdom we need to understand God to the best of our ability, to understand ourselves, to understand our sin, to understand what our sin has done to us and how it separates us from God, to understand our desperate need for God's grace on a day-by-day basis, in particular through a response of faith and trust in Jesus. Scripture gives us the wisdom to understand the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for you and for me, the burial and resurrection of Jesus. Scripture gives us an understanding of the wisdom that we need to understand God's love for us in Christ Jesus, to understand the eternity that we have as followers of Jesus with God in glory awaiting on us, the importance of us to respond and to respond now as Peter shared. In his sermon, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus now. Take those steps of obedience now. And so we see Scripture plays a key role in our salvation. Secondly, Scripture plays a key role in our sanctification. God has set us apart in Jesus to become more like Jesus. Now, sanctification is a big theological word, and it means this. Sanctification is God's work of making us more like Jesus. Sanctification is God's work of making us holy and pleasing to him throughout our lives. Sanctification is God's work of spiritual growth in us. Sanctification is what God is doing in you right here, right now, in these moments, and what he's doing in me. He's speaking to us by the truth of his word, and his spirit is pinpointing The areas in our lives, which are all different, hundreds of folks here and everybody's in a different point, different place, dealing with different challenges. The Spirit is at work, speaking to us through this word, and he's making us more like Jesus. He's making us holy and pleasing to him. He's growing us in our faith. Jesus prayed to God as Father during his time here on earth. Often we see this throughout the Gospels. Towards the end, before his crucifixion, he prayed to God the Father. And he prayed a very simple prayer, but it was a very powerful prayer. In John 17 and verse 17, Jesus prayed these words to God his Father. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them, God, by your truth. Your word is truth. Scripture plays a key role in our sanctification. Sanctification happens as God's Holy Spirit that dwells within us teaches us the truth of this word, and he helps us to understand it, and he helps us to obey it, and he helps us to share it with those folks that he continues to surround us with on a daily basis. Without the scriptures, we're not going to grow in our faith in Jesus. Without the scriptures, we're not going to become more like Jesus. Without the scriptures, we're not going to be able to live for Jesus. Without the scriptures, we're not going to be able to love like Jesus. The scriptures confront us, convict us, comfort us, encourage us, 
help us, guide us, instruct us, protect us, warn us. The scriptures save us. Most often, scriptures save us from us, from doing things we shouldn't do, from thinking things we shouldn't think, from saying things we shouldn't say, from going places we shouldn't go, from looking at things we shouldn't look at. The scriptures play a key role in our salvation, our sanctification. The scriptures play a key role in our service on a daily basis. See, scripture reminds us that service is the way to greatness with God. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He said, those who wants to be first among you will be last. So scripture calls us to walk worthy of the calling we have received from God in Christ Jesus. Scripture calls us to walk as Jesus walked. Scripture calls us to encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Scripture calls us to follow Jesus by faith. Scripture calls us to forgive one another as we have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. Scripture calls us to love one another as Christ has loved us. Scripture calls us to live in peace with one another as far as it depends on us. Scripture calls us to serve one another in love. Scripture calls us to speak God's truth in love to one another. Scripture calls us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to any and all we come into contact with each day. He wants us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to all those he places around us. Sometimes that's a smile. Sometimes that's a wave. Sometimes that's a shake of a hand. Sometimes that's a high five. Sometimes that's a text. Sometimes that's a phone call. Sometimes that's a conversation. Sometimes that's when we don't say a word, we just listen. Sometimes it's just simply a hug. It plays, this scripture plays a key role. How do we live for Christ? Right here. God has so graciously given us his instruction. He's placed his spirit in us so that we can follow his instruction. And so we see the beauty the role that Scripture plays in our lives. So the question then is real simple. What's our application? And our application is equally simple. Get in God's Word. Make time to get in God's Word on a daily basis. We have daily Bible reading plans on our website available to you to encourage you in this process. The devotion guides, the daily devotion guides that we have out in the communication desk, free for you to take, are equipped with daily devotion readings to help you read through the scriptures on a daily basis. You see, the more we get in God's word, the more we begin to understand God's word, the more we obey God's word, the more we're able to share God's word and dialogue about God's word with our brothers and sisters around us. The more we get in God's word, the more God's word gets in us and it goes through us to those God places around us. A pastor once said, uh, when I read the Bible, the Bible reads me. And there's truth in that statement. And so we see many blessings come to us as a result of getting in God's Word. One of the greatest blessings that I believe we receive from getting in God's Word is that getting in God's Word helps us to think biblically. Now follow me for just a moment. Thinking biblically is important because we're always thinking. 
We're always thinking. And our thoughts direct the course of our day. Solomon told us, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So we're always thinking, and those thoughts, as they're coming in, direct the course of our day. And it's vitally important for us to think biblically because the principle we see in God's word is the same principle we see at work in our lives. And I've shared this many times before and will continue sharing this as the Lord gives me opportunity because it is so vitally important for us as followers of Jesus Christ, especially as it relates to spiritual fitness and especially as it relates to our mental uh, fitness as followers of Jesus Christ. And that principle is simply this, we think, we feel, we act. Our thoughts produce our feelings, which leads to our actions. When we think God's way, we feel God's way, and we act God's way. If you ever want to change your actions or your words, if you ever want to change your feelings, the only way you can do that is you got to go backwards a step or two, and you got to change your thoughts. Because your thoughts produce your feelings, which lead to your actions. It's true for me. It's true for you. Classic example of this in God's word, there are many, but the classic example of this in God's word is David and Goliath. It's a great example because most everyone, those in the church and outside of the church, know the story of David and Goliath. So this isn't just for brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're ministering to those who have yet to place their faith in Christ, this works for them because everyone, for the most part, knows the story about David and Goliath. And it's the classic example of what we're talking about here, the importance of thinking biblically. As the Israelite soldiers were encamped, and they were ready for battle against the Philistine soldiers, the Israelite army against the Philistine army. They are on opposite sides of the valley. And every day, the Israelite soldiers would come out, and they would line up in battle formation, and they would be across the valley from the Philistine soldiers in battle formation. And the Philistines sent out Goliath, their top, their best, their strongest soldier. And they said, send out your best. Whoever wins, that army wins. And Every day this happened in the morning and the evening. And the Israelite soldiers did the same thing every single time. They came out, they got into battle formation, they, got it, they lined up there, and then they watched as Goliath walked down in the middle of the valley, and they heard what he said. And what did the Israelite soldiers feel? They felt fear. What did they do? What response did that lead? They turned and they ran and they hid back in their tents every single time. Why were they afraid and why did they run and hide in their tents? It's because when they saw Goliath, they thought, he's too big to mess with. I know I don't have a chance against him. I don't like any of you have a chance against him either. We're out. And they went and hid in fear. Their thoughts, he's too big, he's too strong, there's no chance. I don't have a chance. Produced their feelings of fear, which led to their action or hiding in their tents. You got David. Young David comes up in obedience to his dad, come and check on his brothers. Young David walks up to the scene, and he sees this guy, this soldier, out in the field there in the valley, and he hears what he's saying, and he's stunned because he understands and realizes that this guy is taunting the armies. The living God. He's literally taunting God Almighty. And David watches the scene. He can't believe what he's seeing. 
And so David goes to King Saul and he says, hey, King Saul, what's going on? What's happening? And he finds out that King Saul said he'll basically give a great life to whoever goes and fights Goliath. And David's like, well, I don't need all that stuff. I'll take him, though. This isn't my fight. This is God's fight. He's not coming against us. He's coming against the Lord. And when King Saul tries to put all this armor on him, and David's like, I don't need any of that stuff. Just give me my sling. Give me some stones. I'm out. And David charges. Scripture says he ran. Took him one shot. One stone. Courage is what he felt. What did it lead to? He ran and he killed Goliath. One shot. Why? Because he thought to himself, he's too big to miss. No way. I can't miss him. Look how big and ugly he is. This is easy money. He said, he's not coming against me. He's coming against the Lord. Produced that feeling of courage, which led to that act of obedience and faith. And we know, we know the story well today. Thinking biblically helps us to see life from God's perspective. Thinking biblically helps us to see us and others from God's perspective. Thinking biblically helps us to consider it all joy whenever we face trials of various kinds because we know the testing of our faith develops perseverance and endurance, and we know we need to let endurance have its full effect so that we may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Thinking biblically reminds us that no temptation has seized us except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He's not going to let us be tempted beyond what we can bear, but he'll always provide a way out for us so that we can bear up under it. Thinking biblically reminds and helps us to not be concerned or anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present our request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all of our understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thinking biblically helps us to be strong in the Lord and in his vast strength. As we said earlier, just a few moments ago, spiritual fitness comes through resistance. But let me also share this. Spiritual fitness prepares us for resistance. Resistance specifically from our enemy, Satan, who comes at us on a daily basis because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. He's a liar. He's a loser. He's a tempter. He's a deceiver. He's an accuser. And he comes at you and he comes at me on a day-by-day basis because he doesn't want us to be biblical. He doesn't want us to be spiritually fit. He comes for us because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. And so thinking biblically allows us and reminds us to be sober-minded and alert. Because we know our adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone to devour. Thinking biblically allows us to resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus around us and around the world are experiencing the same sufferings, the same trials, the same challenges, the same temptations as we are. And so there's strength in numbers. You see, thinking biblically reminds us that we are victors and that we are overcomers and that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Thinking biblically reminds us that we've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And Satan flees from God's truth. As Jesus himself demonstrated by quoting scripture when he was tempted three times in the wilderness. And what do we find? We find the scripture says that Satan left. He has no defense against the truth of God's word. 
because he is a liar, the father of lies. And so being biblical is so vitally important for us in so many different ways, but one of the greatest ways is it helps us to think biblically, which radically changes us, our lives, our marriages, our families, our relationships, our ministries. Because thinking biblically ties us to the Word and the power of God that unleashes the Word of God in our lives so that we can live it out day by day as His followers, walking in our victory in Jesus. So let's renew our commitment this morning to be biblical. Let's renew our commitment to get in this Word so this Word can get in us and go through us by God's power at work in us. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of invitation. And I want to just encourage you this morning, maybe in a little different way, I want to encourage you, as Peter did in this sermon, to respond now. Don't wait. That means, for some, to repent. For some, that means place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ right now. Don't wait another day. You've been coming. You've been hearing about Jesus, you know about what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. Now's the day of salvation for you. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you. They would love to introduce you to Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. Repent. Receive God's gift of salvation today. Right now, you can leave this room changed from the way you entered this room. By God's grace, through your faith in Jesus. Secondly, I'm going to challenge you this morning. I know it's cold outside. I know you may not have been prepared. But I'm going to challenge you to walk in the Word. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ here this morning, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, if you have trusted Jesus in His death, burial, and resurrection for your salvation, and yet have not followed that decision with biblical baptism, that means baptism after that point of salvation, that means baptism by immersion, dunk, submerge. That's what the word means. But I'm going to encourage you, it's time. The water's warm and it's full. And we got pastors. We're ready to baptize right here, right now. That's only if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. That's only if you place your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for your salvation and you've not already been baptized after that decision at whatever point in time in your life that that happened. But I'm here to tell you, sir or ma'am, If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior, and there's no doubt about your salvation, and you've yet to take that step of baptism, that step of obedience, then you're missing out on a great blessing. And that's a step that God wants you to take to increase that fitness spiritually in your life. So in just a moment, these prayer partners, all you got to do is come up and say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready to be baptized. I'll be standing here in front, and you can come up and say, I'm ready. Yes, I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I know I'm a follower of Jesus. I know he saved me by his grace and by faith in Jesus, but I I haven't been baptized. We can get that taken care of this morning. It's going to take courage. Really, it's going to take thinking biblically according to what the scriptures have taught us this morning. And then I may encourage you, maybe God wants you to go to a brother or sister and be that minister, that servant, to encourage someone, to pray with someone, to pray for someone, to love someone, to bless someone. Hey, that's, that's what we do here. That's what we're family. That's what we do. 
Scripture helps us in our service to one another, to be a blessing to one another, whatever that case may be. Somebody may be going through a challenging time, a trial, difficulty. Maybe you just want to come and pray over them. Maybe you want to bring them to one of these prayer partners. They'll pray with a big group prayer. Listen, God's moving. He's speaking. And his word this morning is to, to act, to obey. That's what the scriptures teach us to do. Do it now. Don't wait. Let's stand. Say yes to the Father.